everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I'd be lying if I said this wasn't the most special episode of all of the episodes. And the reason I say that is because I've never done an episode with three other people on. Uh, the most I've ever done is two. So we're going to see how we can pull this off, but we needed to have this many people on this episode because today we are talking not only about some of our Marvel hot takes, but also the things that we love the most about the MCU, which is vast. So in order to do that, I needed the most people that I could. And so I have three fantastic guests with me today. I have Jalen. Jalen, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Maya, hello. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. Oh, nice yeah. Back. Oh, yes. And Kara, how's it going? Good. Hi. I'm glad to be here. Wow. Sitting here among champions. I cannot wait to talk about this. I know we've been kind of brewing on this for a little while and uh, kind of born out of some pretty scandalous hot takes that some of you have. And we said, you know what? It, let's just get this all out in the open. Let's just talk about it. So we're going to lay out some ground rules before we get started. First things first, obviously everyone's hot takes are probably wrong in everybody else's <laughs> eyes. But let's remember that no hot take is wrong because they're all opinions. So while we will be getting probably pretty heated, uh, just remember listeners and all of us on here that we all love each other very much. And <laughs> anything that happens is going to be with full and complete love on that regard. Uh, and then obviously when we get to the real party of talking about what we love so much about the MCU, that'll be a lot more fun. So as we dive in, and before we get started, I want to I want to at least cover this because uh, I don't think we'll get to by the time it gets here, but is everyone on the call going to see Shang-Chi? Yes. Yes. That's yes, on Thursday. Awesome. Same here, Thursday. Saturday for me, so nobody say anything. <laughs> any, Kara, any tips or tricks for avoiding spoilers? Oh, I love avoiding spoilers, as you know. I tend to not watch trailers for things. I will just mute uh, Instagram accounts. I just generally don't go on Twitter as a whole. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then just... Shut out your friends, you know, say goodbye to your loved ones for a little bit, two days. <laughs> cut them all off. Yeah, cut, cut everyone off. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know that's uh, you're part of the team, uh, the anti clip team, I'd call it, of all of the mm -hmm. featurettes and clips. Guys, if you have not seen the movie yet, try and avoid those. I've heard a lot of people saying some of the most recent ones give a few things away. So uh, hopefully everyone can go in spoiler free and we have another fantastic and marvelous MCU weekend. So with that said, let's dive right in. So we are going to be doing hot takes first. Kara, we did decide that you're going to be going first on this. So why don't you open us up with what I'm sure is to be an insane hot take. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to ruffle some feathers immediately. So... Sorry to everybody listening to this who just <laughs> does not agree. But my first hot take is, I think that Groot is an overrated character. <laughs> <laughs> you stole one yes. of my hot takes. No, I didn't. <laughs> Did I really? <laughs> no, my, mine, mine was uh, Baby Groot is overrated. But I can okay. kind of catch so where you're at. Let's explain yes. that. Yes. Okay. So that is basically on the same page as me. So I thought Groot was great in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, which is, as you guys know, not my favorite movie anyways. Uh, but um, I thought he was great in that movie. The scene where he creates the little safety ball with the fireflies. Wonderful. Beautiful. Just lovely. Uh, after that, 
I just don't love his care. I just think he's overrated. I don't like, I think baby Groot is overrated, the dancing, people going crazy for him. I feel like it's a marketing scheme where they're trying to get you like, it's like Christmas cards where they try and get you all excited. Like you have to have baby Groot. You have to have Christmas cards, but do you, do you have to have baby? I don't know. I just overrated. No, you're not Teenage wrong. Teenage Groot too. Teenage I, Groot. A mess. Yes. Uh, uh, hot take. <laughs> but it's, I, I told I, I you I was going to start strong. <laughs> and that's what I was, I was going to say on my end too, is that it felt like as the movie came out, it was like, it was sort of cute at the end of Guardians, I guess. And I'd love to hear if you guys thought that like, oh my God, I loved when he's doing his little dance and then, you know, Drax looks at him and I was, I was like, okay. But then when I saw the trailers for the, the second movie, I did think the same thing. I was like, oh, they're really trying to sell some toys with this, yes. like with the whole baby. And everything he did was just perfectly adorable in the exact way that you would want him to be in order to sell, you know, toys and market him. Maya, Jalen, so you guys agree with this? <laughs> I, I, I have to strongly disagree here, Karen. Ooh, okay. I, but maybe then again, it's like, I'm all for, like, when he was going back and forth with Yandu and Rocket to make sure he tried to find Yandu's, like, dorsal fin, or I said dorsal, whatever it's called. <laughs> we'll call Not it a that. dorsal fin, that's a dolphin. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, I thought that was so cute, and his eyes get so big, and then when he had, like, the detonator to, like, I guess, blow up Ego, I thought it was just so adorable. So, I really, but then again, maybe I'm just, like, taking in all the, the marketing that they're implanting in my head with the character. <laughs> but, um, I really, I really liked Baby Creek. Okay. Jalen, same for yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I see both, um. I mean, Baby Groot is cute. You can't deny he's not cute. Um, but I do see that he was being used as like a marketing ploy. You know, he was being used to sell all the toys and to get the kids to see the movie. But um, he is a cutie pie. I do. I like Baby Groot better than Teenage Groot. Like Teenage Groot could just go yeah. away. Like I don't like Teenage Groot. Like it goes Big Groot, Baby Groot, and then Teenage Groot. Why? Why do you not like teenage Groot? I, I just apparently I just don't like teenagers. Like he just annoyed me. Like get away with that attitude. I feel like in Infinity War though, that moment when he goes to combine the hammer. Okay, like, that's like a one just, good moment. I, and that's fair. That's the only time I can think of where I liked him. But I just thought that was like the teenager realizing, you know, life is more than my video games. I will say, like, I think that the teenage bit was funny. I think they just used it like one too many times. Because there was a couple of different movies, even, where they're still using the teenage bit. Well, they got to the point where, well, and I guess, because, what, the, the two movies take place back to back. And so he dies and is a baby in the second movie. But then that after credit scene is, like, right before Infinity War, right? That he's, like, a, you know, adolescent Groot. I just figured, you know, they, yeah, don't really ex they don't explain it too much in the comics, but, like, I thought he grew, he'd grow faster than that. Maybe they didn't put enough miracle grow on him or something, but, like, <laughs> for years and years, he, he, he grows at the same length as a human. I, th I figured it'd be more like a plant where, like, in a week, he's back to being an adult, but that's just me. He needs some of those embers of Genesis. Ooh, yeah. Oh, man. That would be a good What If episode. What if Groot had a whole thing of the embers of Genesis? <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great hot take. Uh, Jalen, we'll move on over to you. What do you have? Good, because it kind of goes with Kara's. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. 
Um, so, because I wanted to start off with my worst hot take first, so that everyone can like forget about it by the time this is over. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, my first heart hot take um, is that I don't really care for the Guardians movies. Whoa! Guardians are getting some hate right now, but <laughs> they're—I mean—they're not horrible movies. Like, I'm not saying they're bad movies. They're just there they're okay for me like i don't actively go out of my way to watch them really the only times i will watch them is if i'm doing like a big mcu rewatch of all the movies but if i'm on disney plus like i won't just go to a guardians movie they're just okay for me what was it about them that you know kind of puts puts them in that spot is it like is it something specific or is it is it more general like is it the writing is it the acting no i think it's kind of everything like I don't like connect with any of the characters really I don't um feel bad or sad if like a character dies or does something wrong or whatever like nothing really just affects me which is weird because I love Chris Pat and I love Zoe Saldana but they're just I just I don't get with their characters do you think it's like the creature aspect, like tree, raccoon, it kind of giving that Star Wars vibe of yeah, so many different creatures can, in the universe? Yeah, like that, because I'm not a big Star Wars person. So, um, you know, with this being sort of similar-ish with not just all humans in the in the movie doesn't help. And, um, you know, like we were talking about Groot, like all he says is, I am Groot. Like, let's learn <laughs> some more words. Let's... <laughs> love to be paid a million dollars just to say i am Groot like 50 hundred times yeah the different inflections <laughs> yeah kara i saw you smiling with that though are you in agreement with that i agree with basically everything she just said wow. <laughs> uh, yeah i also am not a huge fan of the guardians movies uh and same thing i love chris pratt i love zoe saldana i even like like i like drax i like mantis i like rocket like i like their characters for me it comes more in like the space and different world aspect kind of like what maya was talking about and yondu like the the whistle thing with the that creeps the heck out of me <laughs> like i do not like that i had nightmares about it after i first saw guardians of the galaxy and yeah then they brought it back in what if last week and i was like no i'm done with that whistle that whistle of death no wow that's <laughs> wild i love that are you a guardians fan yeah like outside of the event like it goes in-game, Infinity War, and Guardians for, like, my favorite Marvel movie. So I'm like, whew, man, I love them. <laughs> I love them so much. But I'm not, like, a sucker for, like, the ensemble, like, the newfound family-type movies. So I, I think that's probably why I'm, I love them so much. Yeah. There's a there's an, a bit of cringe, I would say, in the Guardians movies, and I, I think it's a, a James Gunn sort of thing. There's just there's certain comedy bits or things they do that I know I'm supposed to laugh, but it's it, and I probably laughed when I saw it in theaters, but like it just doesn't stick as well. Go like the whole 
everyone's standing around like a bunch of assholes in a circle. Like, I love that line and I think it's great. But sometimes when I watch it, I get a little bit of like a, oh, like they're trying to, you know, be cool sort of thing. And so I could totally get it. I feel like for me, those movies do kind of teeter on the like, there's times where I don't like them. And then there's times where I really do like them. So I can totally, I totally get it. But that's an interesting take because... I know that's probably my brother, one of my brother's favorite MCU movies, and he hates the MCU. And he said he liked it because it was so different from everything that kind of came before. And so maybe we've even gotten to a point now where it's this embarrassment of riches of like, cool, the Guardians was great, but like, look at all the crazy stuff we have now with Loki and WandaVision and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, Guardians is just kind of there. But yeah, that's wow. <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, attacks on the Guardians. Yeah. I will say, I do love the soundtracks though. Yeah, the okay. soundtracks are amazing. Mm-hmm. And exactly like you said, I don't hate the movies. I just mm-hmm. prefer the other ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I shouldn't say I hate them. Yeah. In the interest of soundtracks, though, or hot takes, which soundtrack do you, is? Are we all in agreement that the first movie's soundtrack is better than the second? Or do you think the I second? I would say yes. I like the first soundtrack better. Uh, yeah, I'll give the first one just a little bit of an edge. But I like them both. I like them both. Hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't remember most of the songs from the second one, but the first one was fantastic. I, yeah, I love that. Okay, Maya, what do you, what do you got for us? Kind of <laughs> I wish it was here. something like a short one-liner. Oh no! So, but it's kind of it's going to probably take a little bit to explain, and I think it may go to one of Jalen's hot takes maybe later. But my hot take is. I feel like Marvel puts their female heroes in a box. Let me explain. I feel like if you take a look at like a Tony Stark, like he's a superhero, he's a genius, he's a father, he's a husband. Um, he's able to show a full range of emotion. And I feel like for the the women characters in the MCU, it's either they're either a love interest or like a superhero that basically has no, not the same range as the male superheroes. So like when you take a look at like a Captain Marvel or a Black Widow, it's like, I can tell that Marvel is trying to go out of their way to like recreate like a really powerful narrative for the female characters, which I really respect. But I do feel like when you only say like, okay, she's a strong woman, but we don't see like the same range as some of the male characters. It's like, it feels like they're being put in a box. So, like, the whole, like, Nat and Bruce, like, I was I was rooting for that. Like, I know Jalen could probably speak to that. I feel like that oh, was yeah. great, but I feel like Marvel kind of takes a look at, oh, well, we're trying to build her up to be a great, like, a female superhero. We can't allow her to explore romance, or we can't allow her to kind of be, like, show that type of vulnerability. Um, and I feel like, that's the reason why you have like these two giant categories, heroes and then like female additions, like they're not like blended together. Of course we see Hawkeye's like, you know, she can, wife is like mother, mom, um, literally there's only parents in terms of like real superheroes are fathers in MCU, you know? So we don't even see female mothers. And again, there's there's so many things that, I mean, being a parent is just one thing, romance is another, but in terms of just all the different things we see Steve, Tony, Thor go through, we don't have that same range, in my opinion, for the female superhero. So that's a long-winded way of explaining it, <laughs> but I feel like, hmm, will we ever see 
like a mom superhero in the MCU? Because I feel like in Marvel's head, it probably conflicts. Like, how can you be powerful, but also, you know, be so tied to something as feminine as being a mom or something like that? I don't know. So that's my hot take. <laughs> yeah, I I don't even know if I would call that a hot take. I almost want, feel like that's a, a lukewarm at best because uh, <laughs> that is like... It's so obvious, and, and mm-hmm. like I feel like anyone who would say otherwise, it's like just point them to any character. As, as you were talking, uh, Okoye came to mind only in terms of like she has a husband, but I remember that was a talking point we had when the movie came out of like you barely ever see them together, and like halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, they're they're married. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, she's totally about to valid. Kill him. <laughs> Which yeah, is right. Not, yeah, like, works with the plot, but yeah, that's a, like a great example. And it's like it's tough because I love how like powerful and just like badass the women are, but you couldn't help but feel like, hmm, you know, it'd be nice to see other aspects of their character uh, yeah. come to life. So, What, what about uh, Jalen Carey, you guys, uh, in terms of, uh, do you see any, not hope, but, you know, any progress in the future for that sort of thing? Because that was one of the hot takes I had on here, too, was that why are all the female-led movies prequel films? Because, uh, like, why can't we have a current-day female movie? They all have to be set back in the past. And I just keep thinking of, like, Spider-Woman's a mom in the comics. Mm-hmm. And there's other characters, too. But, like, the first thing that came to my mind was Tony Stark in the first movie where he sleeps with, I don't remember who it was, but, like, the lady from Talladega Nights. Very quick scene. He gets he gets up out of bed. She's in the bed. He walks off. We don't really see her again. You could have that same exact scene with Carol Danvers sleeping with some guy. And, th- and, and we probably wouldn't even think twice about it. So there's clearly things that they're missing. But part of me thinks that they're trying to fix that in the future. Though, again, like with Black Widow, you know, I wonder. But I'd just be curious. Like, what do you think? Do you think there's some good coming? Or is there probably still a long way to go? I think there's good coming. Uh, I think that they're starting to hear voices. This will kind of tie into one of my uh, favorite things later on. But I think that there's been like a cultural shift in the MCU where they're starting to get a little bit more diverse. They're starting to get uh, their act together in some of these uh, representation um, but uh, in the first episode of What If I think and this is why I say that is they had uh, Captain Carter and when they flipped that story she still had her relationship with Steve and it was the same whereas probably beforehand they would have had it that you know she was this big character and now Steve isn't with her anymore because he's too little and she's too big or because you know the power shifted and so I think that what we saw in that episode at least what I took from that episode is that there's starting to be a cultural shift for women as well mm-hmm. yeah I agree um I think they're heading in the right direction um I mean it's sad that we didn't get this stuff before um you know, with Captain Marvel taking place in like the 90s. Well, you know, I don't want Captain Marvel in the 90s. I want her <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, I th- it makes sense because we needed like her backstory. But, you know, they could have changed her backstory and had that take place, you know, in present day. Um, I think I hope we get a lot more um, Black Widow with Yelena. I hope they do a lot with her. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a 
terrific actress with Florence Pugh, so they better not waste that because she could be um, a badass hero as well as um, a mother figure to someone. Obviously, she can't have her own kids, but, you know, she could have, you know, mentor someone or something like that. Um, but I think they're definitely heading in the right direction, and I definitely want more girl power in the MCU. Oh, yeah. can i just speak to that comment too about not having kids Mm -hmm. because uh to maya's point too about nat and bruce like one thing that really bothered me about that scene was that like i loved nat and bruce together i really wanted them to be together but in that scene she said like i can't have children i'm a monster Mm -hmm. and that seemed to be like why they separated is because he had you know some physical issues and she had you know an inability to have children and so they decided they couldn't be together but that's just not the message that we want to give people is that you can't be loved if you can't have children you can still be loved you can still be in a relationship you know have the ability to have children does not make you you know able or not have a really cool relationship with the hulk so i just wanted to throw that in there (laughs) (laughs) that is so true because i'm like wow like this could be an amazing, like, story. Like, it's just them two. It's not about the children they can produce, whatever, like, their output. It's just them together and that center. I felt like that would be an amazing love story. Like, I watch a lot of mm-hmm. romance. Like, this would be very differentiated rather than the typical story. So I felt like there was so much pot- potential there. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, especially it's, how how outdated is it, too, to be like, oh, can you have kids? Oh, no, you can't. Well, we'll talk to you later. I'll, like, that's, that seems <laughs> so strange. Yeah, and bye I bye. don't think Bruce Banner would do that. Like, he wouldn't no, just be like, bye. Like, right, because like, I don't okay, think... Okay, I probably can't have kids either. Like, yeah, I'm think... sure him as the Hulk, he probably can't <laughs> produce kids. I don't know. <laughs> huge. Uh, did, did any of you get those kind of... Uh, I don't even know what they're like those missing vibes from uh, the most recent what if episode when Nat shows up at the school and sees Bruce and it's uh, Mark Ruffalo Bruce. Mm-hmm. Like there was a part of me where I was like, God, like I'm, I was glad like we got one more interaction between them and there's maybe the tiniest amount of banter there, but I still was just like wishing the true what if that should be an episode. What if Bruce and Nat right. actually got together? Yes, I know. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a cool what if too though it'd be like what if women dominated the mcu and it was like every character was female that would be awesome like an a-force that'd be super cool. yes i Hopefully. need that i'm sure kevin's listening to this and home. <laughs> kevin feige he'll, he'll take our words on that okay maya fantastic hot take uh thank you for that that was that was amazing uh and i got i was, I was about to jump over to care but i do have some hot takes of my own uh and this one yeah we're gonna dive in on this one right away and i'm, I'm gonna apologize to Karen in advance Oh no! I've been doing a a recent MCU rewatch and really trying to look at these movies from a subjective, objective lens to say, okay, is this actually a good movie? I'm not a fan of the Iron Man movies. Oh, (laughs) this is literally, okay, I I will do my next hot take after this one. It will be perfect. I'll let you explain. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. So, when when the MCU and this is going to be something I wanted to get into, I wanted to get into in the beginning, but we're we're knee deep right now, so we'll we'll dive into this during our celebration. Is kind of what brought you guys to the MCU and what was like the your first sort of 
this was my MCU story or, or when you fell in love with the MCU. And so for me, it was not with Iron Man. When I was in, I, that movie came out when I was in high school. I, I didn't see that movie, Midnight Showing. I also didn't see Hulk, Midnight Showing, but like everything after that I did. And I just remember when I was in there, I was like, this is a good movie. Like I really liked it and it made me so excited for the MCU. I don't even think I stayed for the after credits. That's like how, how much I didn't know about the MCU back then. And, uh, just going back, there's been a couple times where I've rewatched it, and I was just like, okay, like I can dig this, no doubt. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. He is Tony Stark, like he is Iron Man. Everything about that is perfect, and and also like there are scenes in each of those movies that are like will go down in history as some of my favorite scenes, like uh, him flying for the first time where he takes the silver suit up into the sky and it freezes. I love that scene. Uh, the whole Gamora scene is amazing. Uh, or is Galmora, I believe, but w- when he's blowing up all the stuff and he's in his brand new suit, I love that. And then I, this is part of the hot take too, and I'm really sorry, Kara, but like there are so many more days where I like Iron Man 2 more than Iron Man 1. And again, there, there there's a piece of that is because I went to that showing. I had the poster of him in War Machine on my wall, that scene where they're cutting everybody down, but also the scene in the very beginning when ACDC starts playing and he dives out of the plane. It's just... There's so much to love about that. But then when I stack that up against like the Thor movies and the Captain America movies and the Avengers and everything else, I just I've found it more and more falling to the bottom, like all three of them. I haven't seen Iron Man three in a really long time. And so I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's some some psychoanalysis that I'm missing in myself, but I I don't know. There's just something about them that's like they're good, but they're they're they birthed the MCU, and that's about as much as they do for me in that regard. But beyond you know the amazing scenes and stuff, so uh, Kara, I'll just start with you because I, I think you probably have something to say. What lay it on me? Okay, I'll just give my next hot take, and then we'll okay. let the girls respond because this literally goes in hand in hand. But obviously, like to all you listeners, Iron Man One is my favorite <laughs> movie outside of the Avengers. I watch it probably 12 times a year I think it's the greatest movie ever uh but my next hot take was that I friggin love Iron Man 2 oh, and Justin Hammer go. so oh, yeah, Justin, Hammer. Justin Hammer in this movie is phenomenal and I think that this movie gets such little credit for what it actually is because of like the Mickey Rourke storyline like I I understand that's not the best and even though I watch this movie so often like I just also don't care for that character or that storyline but Iron Man 2 is we get Don Cheadle for the first time we get uh just so many quips and little stupid sassy lines from Justin Hammer like I'll defer to you Anthony (laughs) or when he's like peeking around the corner he's like Anthony like who talks to Tony Stark this way like nobody except for Justin Hammer and the whole like he breaks a criminal out of prison and takes him to this like romantic dinner that he is like curated uh in a hangar where he's (laughs) imported like all this special food and he's so excited about it and he just like from start to finish tries to be such a powerful like pin as you move through the movie and he just fails through the whole movie. It's just literally that uh, weapon that he has, the little like bomb thing that just kind of fizzles out. Oh, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> that's him through the whole movie. It's so funny. And I think this movie, like the Monaco scene, the like when he's like, suiting up which will tie into one of my favorites later on but this 
is my hot take is that so many people don't like Iron Man 2 and I love it. So you're saying Iron Man 2 is an underrated movie? Yes. I yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's hear it, guys. What What do you got, Jalen, Maya? <laughs> uh, I don't like Iron Man 2. <laughs> okay. Mainly because of Mickey Rourke. Like, I just, I don't like anything he does. Like, he could just go away. Like, just stop being in movies or whatever. Um, he's just, he creeps me out. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't like him. Like, Justin Hammer, he is the best part of that movie. Um, I don't. I don't like how they treat Natasha in it, how she's like the sexy secretary type um, until the very end when she becomes the Black Widow. Um, I think they could have done a better, they could have handled her a better way in that movie. Um, but other than that, I do, I do like the other Iron Man movies. I really like Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 3. Um, definitely like those two better than Iron Man 2. Yeah. I would say the same exact thing, Jalen. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate Iron Man 2, but it's not one I'm going to be constantly rewatching. Um, I did do a recent rewatch, and then I just like noticed like Nick Fury having like his like hand on her waist. So I'm like, stop touching! And everyone's wearing like all the business women are wearing like tight dresses. I just felt like it was like, uh, I can't, I can't unsee it. It's hard for me to ignore that type of stuff. Um, but Alex, that's surprising because I, I really love the first Iron Man movie, <laughs> but Get I can see what you're saying though, because I especially, I agree with like you thinking of it as more of like a springboard and appreciating for that because like, obviously they're able to like test and see what audience is like and what good storytelling is and kind of evolve from Iron Man. So it's hard to like look back at like the current state of the movies that they're putting out. And then watch Iron Man, it's like, yeah, it does feel like a huge difference. But yeah. I still, like, appreciate it, and I still enjoy Iron Man, but I, I can see what you're saying, like, the Iron Man movies are just okay. You know, at this point, it's like the cinematic equivalent of the book that you read in eighth grade that's, like, the required reading, and you know it's a classic, you know it's great, but, like, are you going <laughs> to read it again after you graduate? Probably not. And 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 it's very different, though, because for Iron Man, I'll watch that movie whenever. Like, I, I don't not like it, and that's the wildest part about this hot take is me just saying it's in the bottom tier of my Marvel movies, which I love all of them. Not equally, but I, I do love all of them. So, yeah, no, okay. But thank you for indulging me on that because I was very, very scared about that one. I thought I was going to catch some hell on it. I only got a little bit, so that's great. That's fine. We'll oh. talk after. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> well, yeah, so the, was that, that was your hot take, Kara. So we'll move on to, to Jaylen. What, what is your next hot take? My next hot take um, is that I think Thanos had a valid point in destroying half the universe. Or snapping away half the universe. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, we're getting close. I, I would like to point out on our to our comics and cinema listeners at this point, we're about to get pretty philosophical. None of this, none of us, including comics and cinema, are endorsing anything that fans did. But I agree with you, Jalen. <laughs> I mean, I like that his decision was it was just going to be random. It wasn't going to be like you know just snapping away all the poor people so that all the rich people to survive um i like that it was random and you know just going through this pandemic like i'm like yeah let's get rid of half the universe like <laughs> let's just start over can we just start over um and i remember really thinking about this when um the pandemic first started last year and places were shutting down 
um, you would just see like side by side photos of different cities and just how much cleaner the air looked and how much cleaner the water looked and beaches looked. And it just shows you how we are literally just destroying this planet. Um, So, yeah, so I think he had a valid point. I think Thanos went about his point the wrong way, Um, just how he was going about getting the power to destroy half the universe. I think there's probably a better, easier way to do that than, you know, killing a bunch of people on the way just because they're in your way. Um, But, yeah, I think the world could benefit with a do-over right now. (laughs) He could have snapped his fingers and just created, like, a second Earth and moved half of the people over to that second Earth. Would that have been fine? I feel like he could have done that that. if he's he's doing it for the entire universe, millions and billions of, you know, planets. He could create like one or two extra planets right. with a snap. And send half the people there so that they both start thriving. Yeah, yeah there you go. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't think of that, but I like that point. Because I know that's everyone's mm-hmm. argument is always, oh, just double the resources. But right. you, even if you do that, you're back at the same consumerism argument you're having of like, that just means more people are going to eat more and buy more and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, Maya, what do you think about that? <laughs> you have me convinced. You don't know the sustainability <laughs> theory near and dear to my heart and it's like yeah i guess the best way to like i guess get people to care about their output waste overconsumption pattern just to get rid of that (laughs) (laughs) and i like too that you like it is random poor people rich people but um so you kind of have me convinced there but i mean i still think it just like just generally if i think about it in real life aspects that is kind of like terrible, <laughs> but in theory, I do think that you have a point there, Jalen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really want it to happen where you know uh, I'm sitting on the couch with my husband and he just disappears. Like, I don't want really, I don't really want it to happen. But right. if it it's did, a, but in okay. theory, you you think <laughs> Thanos is justified for thinking that? Yes, yes. It's an in, a really interesting theory because I, I think almost anybody would say like, no, I wouldn't want that. But I think in that same situation, if it happened, if there was a bad guy we could all blame it on and mm-hmm. did it, I don't think a lot of people would complain about it. E- even if they lose a loved one, like I feel like obviously the loss would be devastating. But you mm-hmm. you see even in like Falcon and the Winter Soldier how like the whole world came together. Everyone started supporting each other. So it's like – but it's it's born out of this very terrible situation. So it's like who's going to who's gonna be that person to push the button and take all of the blame for? Because no one would ever want to actually do that. But if it ended up actually happening, it's like, well, you know, I guess we could make the best out of a bad situation. Do you agree with that, Kara? No. This whole conversation <laughs> gives me, like, a horrible anxiety. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we have someone on the other side. Because, okay, so I understand – if you're if you're looking at what he's saying and taking his best intentions of okay i would like the world to flourish so that people can be happy or are you looking at it like i'm trying to rule the world and have everybody be grateful to me right. so that you know for this and that but at the end of the day like i just that's half my family and i i can't do that if so, I, I would never band together with somebody else for the rest of my I will complain every day for the rest of my life if I'm losing my loved ones. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe oh. if they wiped our memories too at the same time, maybe they'll be better. God, this is well, dark. Isn't that, wasn't that sort of? No, it's getting even more intense. In Endgame, <laughs> wasn't he was just planning plan to reduce all the atoms? Yeah. <laughs> plan B. Nice. Okay. That's uh, okay. Well, hey, you know it's funny that I like they called that out too in in the What If episode where he's talking. I mean, again, he's like, it's efficient. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, it is, but it's also a genocide. So yes, again, to all our any any of those young listeners out there, again, if you find the Infinity Gauntlet, there's probably a hundred other things you could do first with that before mm-hmm. you resort to doing this. So right. just think what about what would T'Challa do? Uh, yes. There you go. What would T'Challa yeah. do? Yes. Great. <laughs> Yeah, he had the gauntlet too in Infinity War. He could have thrown that puppy on. Actually, if we're talking about, I mean, we're not dumping, diving into the T'Challa whole, you know, recast thing. But like, imagine if he'd have been the one to put the gauntlet on in Endgame and snap his fingers and go like, "Whoa, that would have been crazy." But that's that's uh, just a wild thought, Maya. I'm sure you have another hot take for us. Yes, and. So I just want to preface this by saying <laughs> I, all of yours are hold on a minute. I'm gonna preface this by saying Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp are two one like favorites, probably top ten, top twelve movies in MCU. But my hot take is that I hate how they made Scott a felon, and I felt like they didn't actually center him in being a felon like he's this goofy guy and granted i'm not saying all felons have to be like hard badass but i feel like you don't really see the one savviness like you were a whole thief like you know he has this whole criminal history and i feel like we don't see that savviness like that is talked about from his past into his future i feel like everyone around him is doing the work for him and so like even though he broke into Hank Pym's lab, it was kind of orchestrated in a way. And I feel like there's a huge opportunity to kind of like reframe his character to be less silly and kind of aloof and more like savvy, tactical. I don't know. I I don't know if I'm expressing that the same way if you get what I'm saying, but yeah. yeah. And especially you have three people that you were in the joint with, I feel like they have, like, they also are very goofy, and I think that's just generally the tone of the movie, but I feel like there is, like, a good opportunity to tap into, like, history, like, of being a felon, and we, it's almost as if, like, you could very well easily say he wasn't a felon and nothing changed in the movie, you know, so I felt like that was something that I would have liked to see a little bit more, is, um, Kind of just like seeing how his background as a felon moved into how you know the rest of the movies the two movies that he was in yeah i I remember in the first movie and i hope i'm remembering this right isn't there a scene where he does get inside and i don't think it's that he loses connection with the team but doesn't he get up to like the door and he doesn't know how to get it and he goes and runs back upstairs and finds like was it like a spray can or something in a drawer that he freezes the lock with or something like that? Like he like creates some mm-hmm. contraption to get in. I remember when I watched it that I was like, oh, that's why he's like a good felon. That was the moment for me. But I see what you mean, because especially when you say like if you took that moniker away from him, everything else does kind of feel the same. Would it help if there was like a flashback to when he got caught originally, like what his big crime was and showing him pulling it off or something? 
maybe. And even in like the conversations around like the time heist and granted he added a lot of the conversation, but I felt like everyone else was the strategist and he was just kind of there like waiting for. That's a good like, point. And like him actually being a part of, cause like talk to a lot of like felons, like drug dealers, burglars, like they're not just dumb, like they're smart and they are able to, like they have like this whole like skill set. I just feel like they're not tapping into it as much because they look at him as the comic relief rather than someone who's like, you know, being a strategic partner, stakeholder in missions. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I never thought of that. It's a really good point. What, what do you guys think on that? Yeah. That is how he was sent to jail. Oh, was that fair. he was with other people. And he didn't do, like, a really bad crime because he was just trying to, like, get some money to be with his daughter. So because he wasn't, like, this major crime or criminal, Mm -hmm. that he doesn't know that much stuff. That's how I took that. That's a fair point. I don't remember them explaining. Now I have to watch Ant-Man again. Yeah, I know. I I know. (laughs) That that, that doesn't mean that he... That they can't like add some stuff in because even in Endgame, then we saw this different side of him than we've seen before, where he saw his daughter and he was crying and all that kind of stuff. So they could still add that. Like I'd be cool with them adding that, because yeah. that would be a lot more fun to watch for for Avengers <laughs> movies and stuff. Or in the next Ant Man movie. Or in the yeah, or in the next Ant Man movie, he'll need it. King's gonna yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah. Jalen, do you agree with that? Yeah, I could. I can see that. Um, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen those movies, so I've been trying to think what happened <laughs> in those movies. Um, but yeah, I think it would be cool to just get some, you know, quick backstory or something on him because we don't have a whole lot. Um, and really, all we see of him is him being given the tools to do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see how. We'd want, not that he can't be silly, because it's Paul Rudd and he's really good at, you know, comedy, but I think it'd be cool to see him kind of tone it down a little bit and leave the goofiness to um, his two partners um, and him be more serious. I think that would be a fun, you know, added twist to the next Ant-Man movie, but still, but still make the movie fun, but like have him kind of tone it down a little bit and have him be more serious and take on that like leadership role. What if it was something like, you know, something happens to his daughter and, you know, like cause she, maybe she's a little older in this and you're getting into the whole stature situation and she gets like kidnapped or something. And he just like the comedy just shuts <laughs> off in his head and he's just like, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. And he just he just goes. And that would honestly that would be crazy because now seeing what Hank Pym could do, like right. what you can do. And I'm trying to remember who what that was in, but they were talking about like just the the idea of these pim particles and the fact that like you never really acknowledge how powerful these are and that just this one man had them and now you know uh he has them as well now and so if he went off the rails or something and you know wanted to he could just blow up a whole building by throwing those things everywhere and whatever or coming up with some cool schemes so yeah i'm totally down to see like a no nonsense ant-man that'd be crazy yeah. call him fire ant-man Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't have to just be serious, but like the idea of like him being a little bit more strategic and yeah, not necessarily smart. 
taking orders yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the sort of thing where like you know he walks up to a door but right before he opens the door he like does some other thing and it turns out you know there's a bad guy right behind the door and he (laughs) gets something right Mm -hmm. oh i like that okay okay awesome all right well kara uh do you have a hot take for us well did you skip yourself yeah you skipped so. <laughs> All right. I don't know how this is going to land. Oh, no. Again? I know. The whistle could be different. I, li- I like okay. Sharon Carter. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of a. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's born out of the comics because in the comics, I, I think he was into Peggy for a bit. I don't even remember, remember, but like all current comics, his girlfriend has always been Sharon. And she's been, like, his age most of the time. And there was even an instance where they both got super old together. And so they, like, grew old together. So there was this whole thing where it was, like, oh, you know, kind of his true love in in a sort of sense. But in the movies, like, I don't know. I mean, in – because what? she I I liked her in Winter Soldier. I thought she was fine. And maybe part of this is Emily Van Camp. I really like Emily Van Camp too. But um, I thought she was fine in Winter Soldier. I thought she was great in Civil War when she delivers that speech – and when we find out, I mean, we knew, right? But, like, when we find out, she's like, yeah, I'm her niece. Like, that was all cool, like, that they're connecting that all. I know the kiss is a questionable okay. piece, but I'm I'm on the side. I mean, I was voted as that for, like, the superlative. <laughs> so I have to own it. Look, they're basically the same age in that time period. And also Peggy had died. So I, I think there was no, I don't know what, words i need to say to justify myself but <laughs> then then moving into falcon and winter soldier i liked her a lot as the power broker specifically because i am hanging on to the belief that there's something more with her like we're gonna get something in a future installment that really shows how she not just how she got to where she is but like what she's capable of because the fact that she ran from the law for like a couple of years and is already the power broker like she's got to be savvy in some ways and the fact that she's knocking people off that that scene where she in the you know what is it, the harbor yard or whatever where uh, she's just kicking ass and killing everybody was just amazing and yeah i get that like even in the end it was like we knew you know she's a bad guy she's getting pardoned but like i just love that whole that whole bit of it so lay it on me what do you, what do you <laughs> This is definitely your hottest take yet. Oh, no. I'm going to the worst for last. I mean, okay. That's the thing. I see a lot of potential with Sharon. I just feel like it's not realized potential. So I feel like every time she's on screen, I want more. Because um, I feel like it was very feasible. Like, the things that we think would be cool to see her do on screen seem very, like, not super hard to do. Like, it's just a little bit more... Um, but I just feel like her characterization is so poor in the MCU. So I couldn't help but um, to the point where I actually felt like she was an eyesore on Falcon and the Winter Soldier completely. I just wish she was not in the series at all, which I hate to say that about, you know, another woman character who I feel like who had like a kind of a strong basis in the MCU. But I just felt like then like she kind of dominated a lot of the conversation that took away from the other great things about the series. So. That's why I can agree yeah. with you here. <laughs> Fair. I, I get that. And I, I, I sort of felt that. It took a few rewatches for me to kind of come to this opinion because I, I originally was the same way. But it was more being bummed. I was like, God, you know, they could have given her so much more. But yeah, Kara, you agree with Maya? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Sharon is not my favorite character. She's not my least favorite character. I think the kiss really turned a lot of us off. But on, also, on the other hand, like, if Steve Rogers is going to kiss you, like, you're going to kiss him back. Yeah. So, so I guess we can't really fault her for that. It, for me, it was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I was on her side. Like, the harbor scene where she's really kicking ass. Like, to see another female out there kicking so much butt was really fun to watch. Um, I think that they didn't flesh out her story enough as the power broker, which turned a lot of people off. I guess I'll just speak for everyone, apparently. should speak for myself. But I, like that part turned me off a little bit. However, that doesn't mean that they can't bring it back with other shows and movies and give us more backstory and stuff like that. And then maybe I'll feel different. Yeah. I just don't care about her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I just... Not invested. Yeah. Like, if she doesn't show up again, like, I'm not heartbroken. Like, if she does show up, okay, cool. But, like, I don't need her back. Like, mm. it's... Yeah. I don't have any connection or anything with her. Like, she's just there. And it's okay if she's not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly lonely. <laughs> Uh, okay oh that's fine so yeah that's those were my mcu hot takes i think then what we've got a uh one more round of each of you as well right Mm -hmm. right. yes perfect Kara. what do you got okay so um my third and final hot take is that i really disliked the latest episode of what if so spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen episode three of what if it's been out for about a week now, so hopefully you've seen it by now. If not, pause it, come back to this podcast when you've seen it, uh, or just skip ahead a little bit. But season, or sorry, episode three of What If, When All the Avengers Die, uh, I hated it, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> so every Wednesday morning, Jalen and I watch uh, each new Marvel, like Disney Plus episode, Uh, before work and every Wednesday morning I get so hyped and excited and like so motivated with Falcon and the Winter Soldier like you're watching Sam you know become Captain America and Bucky work through his um, mental issues and you're getting so jacked and then you're just ready for work Uh, with WandaVision like you were watching her go through grief Uh, with Loki you're just wondering what the heck is happening and you're just excited to talk about it with this episode, man, I was so bummed all day. <laughs> like, um, I know that it's a cartoon, but we are genuinely attached to these characters. And for some of them, we've already seen them die. We've already lost them once. Um, I didn't need to lose them again. Uh, so I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like poor Hulk being, <laughs> you know, manipulated to literally explode. I thought that was a lot for seven o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, to me, it was just, I just, I, I probably will never watch it again. Wow. Never, you would never again. Wow. That episode. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Okay, okay. And I know when you mentioned this earlier and you were talking about it, I said there's an interesting point to bring up here, which is how cool is it that you have become so attached to these characters that an animated uh, hypothetical version of the universe (laughs) moved you this much? I I think that's amazing. And I also think you're completely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
well, well. <laughs> this this is Why honestly this is a, this is a really I don't think this is well it's a hot take for sure but I, I think there has been from what I've seen like a good split of people and for that very reason of people being like I can't believe you know they killed all these off and then other people some people who said like holy cow this is amazing like what are the, I I did not know what was going on in that episode and. I only knew one thing, which was you said something that I accidentally saw that said, <laughs> I don't, I didn't like that they died, was all you said. And so I was like, okay, whatever. I'm sure someone's going to die. I didn't even know the title till you know, it played, but man, oh man. When Iron, okay, so when Iron Man gets the thing in his neck and falls over, I was like, oh no, it's, it's a, like a bad, it's a virus. Like, oh, oh my God. And like, I, I, could, I had no idea who the bad guy was the entire time. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. seeing each one, I was like, well, wait a minute, Hawkeye, Hawkeye there's no way he could have loose, loose that arrow. And at that point, once, once he, Hawkeye died, I was like, oh, it's Loki. It's gotta be Loki. Like who can go invisible? And then when, you know, Black Widow's getting fought, I was like, oh, it's ghost. Oh my God, it's ghost. It has to be. And then it wasn't go. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I, I, the mystery behind it and the fact that in this universe, they all died, I thought was just so fascinating. But I, I, I see what you mean. What a horrible universe to be a part of. <laughs> I know. Yes. Like, like how many times do we have to lose Tony Stark and that? Like, and yeah. But look at I just want to live in a world where I have them all. <laughs> look at how the, the, the bookends of it, though, are of Nick Fury talking about the Avengers initiative. And you've got him saying, like, you know, this was an idea about bringing these people together. And then they all die. And instead of giving up, you know, by the end of it, he says something about I something about I hope that was the hope or I hope. And then you've even got Natasha calling him saying it's all about hope. It's all about hope. So it's like I almost took that as the theme of the episode was like. Even if these characters die, you can still find hope in other things like Captain America and Captain Marvel and all of that sort of stuff. And I know I've said a lot. J Jalen, do you agree with this? Is this a hot take? Whose side are you on? Um, I, I'm on your side, Alex. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we said we were going to agree on like everything, but this is the one we don't. Um, I I liked it. I mean, it was a dark episode. Um, being a horror fan, you know, I like the dark stuff. Um, it was definitely sad seeing, like, all your favorite heroes die. Like, that's obviously sad. But I liked the murder mystery aspect of it. Um, I was with you, Alex, where I was trying to figure out who's killing all these people. And I also thought Ghost. I was like, oh, my God, it's Ghost. And then they're like, it's Hank Pym. And I'm like, what? Hank Pym? And then yeah. you see him, he's like all crazy looking and stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was it was a fun, heartbreaking episode, I would say. Um, I'll I'll definitely rewatch it again when I rewatch the series. Um, but I, I don't know how I'll feel the second time since I know what happens, since I know the mystery. You know, when you watch a murder mystery for the second time, you know, it kind of loses its appeal because you know what's going to happen. But I'm excited. Um, to give it a rewatch just to see how I feel during it. There's a magic there though on that second rewatch mm -hmm. of especially for like mystery stuff where you know what's going to happen. Like I, when I watched it a second time, there's little things that you catch mm -hmm. that you did not catch before because you completely missed them because you weren't paying attention because you didn't have right. to. And, and so knowing it, like I, I feel like you may enjoy it, but I totally see what you mean. There is that's one of the like if we can only go back in time and rewatch everything for the first time. I know, right? That'd be <laughs> yep. What do you think, Maya? No, I, I agree with 
you and Jalen. Let's go! <laughs> yes. was an episode, and it, it was oh, a man. lot, but I love, I'm a sucker for the murder mystery type. It was a lot to, to just see them all go down like that, but I thought it was still really fun, and um, I thought it was a good what-if scenario to explore, ultimately, so... And I liked how it wasn't overly violent until the Hulk exploded. Like, that was yeah. like... The, that was a lot. That was a lot to handle. Um, but I like that all the other, like, deaths, I guess, weren't, you know, super out there or, you know, super bloody or gory or anything like that. Yeah. Um, that Hulk scene was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, What? Look like Baymax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't. I was like, is he uh, leveling up? I couldn't. I was trying to remember what was going through my head when I saw that too. Like, who's a creature that was getting bigger? I don't even. I was like, wait. I and I was lost. I was like, like I. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, like freaking Veruca. Not Veruca Salt. Who? Who's her name? Oh, like, Violet. 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 Yeah. Violet Beauregard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that's just crazy. I mean, that episode is, there's a lot in it. And I think, you know, it's a funny thing I don't think a lot of people have mentioned is like how many people die in What If in all three episodes. Mm-hmm. Like you've got Captain Carter just killing people as she goes through. Like, right. But then really in that second episode with like, like you were saying, Kara, you know, Yondu just whistling every single one of those people dead. And even the one guy goes like, uh, and he kills him. Yes. And then Thanos is going through and killing everybody. And uh, you know, Nebula is helping him kill. I was just like, there's a lot of death. And they don't show any blood, but they hear they do a lot of screams and stuff. I'm like, damn, that's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. It's a very adult show. It's definitely not the MCU we're used to. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, okay. Uh, is uh, Jalen, right? Uh, yes. yes. Um, yeah. So my third... And final hot take for tonight is, I don't know if this is much of a hot take because a lot of people may feel this way, um, but I'm only looking forward to Hawkeye because of Florence Pugh slash Yelena. Like, I don't don't care about actual Hawkeye in the show. (laughs) I don't care about Kate Bishop. Like, I don't even know who she is. So (laughs) I'm just, I'm just all here for Florence Pugh and it could be her show and I will totally watch it. I can't wait to replay these words for you when the show comes out so you can eat them because you are the best. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to argue for Hawkeye, but I know you will fall in love with Kate Bishop. Okay. I mean, yeah. If they're making her like she is in the comics, she's going to be like the standout. You may end up liking her more than Florence Peele, but we'll see. We'll see. But that's that's a a very hot take, I'd say, though. (laughs) So you do not like Jeremy Renner or I I guess... Do you not like I Hawkeye? I don't really like Hawkeye. He's my least favorite Avenger out of the original six. Um, yeah. You know, just, I think it's just because of the material he's given. He hasn't been given a whole lot until, like, Endgame. Um, but, yeah, just like like with some of the other characters, just really no connection with him. Um, I don't I don't need a show about him, but if it's moving on with Kate Bishop or with Yelena, like, I'm here for it. But I'm not watching Hawkeye for Hawkeye. Yeah. Maya, do you agree? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm the 0.0005% of people who actually like Clint Barton. I love Hawkeye. Oh, I feel like he constantly grounds us. Like, you know, yeah. Black Widow, well, she's, she's gone. So, like, I feel like he does a really good job of just 
being normal. Like everyone has these powers or these extra abilities and he's just there. And I like it. Like, and I just, I don't like how other people other him just because he doesn't have powers, you know? So I always appreciate what he can give because like in game, he was dope in game. I, I loved him in game so much. So um, especially like that scene when like all the outriders are like in the tunnel and like, ah, it's one of my favorites in the movie, but um, so yeah, I gotta disagree with you this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Carry <laughs> in the same boat. Yeah, I I guess I land somewhere in the middle. Like I am with Jalen in that I don't. Hawkeye is the the show that I am least excited about of all shows. But what I know about Marvel is that. Like, they're making me excited about a cartoon. Except for the last episode. So if they can do that, they can do anything. So I feel like I'll like the show. I was going to watch it regardless. But adding Yelena to it made me, like, ten times more excited for it. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's something I was going to say about Hawkeye. It Oh, the, uh, the just the... There's a weird bit of controversy there, I feel like, with him and... In, in, uh, Natasha at the end of Endgame dying of and I'd be curious to hear what you guys think on this I don't I think Sarah brought this up and I was like this is really interesting of like they chose to kill Natasha instead of Clint so that Clint could be with his family but it was like after everything that Natasha has been through and done her reward is dying whereas everything Clint did during the five-year gap which was murdering a bunch of people he gets his family back. And when you look at it at the end of it afterwards, the choice being you get Natasha, carry on her story, maybe get her own film finally, like a future forward film. And then you have Hawkeye's family mourning the loss of a family member versus, you know, everyone mourning this Avenger so that Hawkeye can have the family that we've only seen a couple of minutes. What do you, is, is that a hot take? I mean, let me ask you this, though. Does it have the same impact if it's Clint falling off the cliff? It doesn't. Oh, you probably get some cheers in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) I know Jalen would be cheering. No, I'd be sad either way. I know they got me the first time I saw Endgame, um, and he's running towards the cliff. I mean, I was preparing myself, like, all right, well, there goes Clint. Like, (laughs) I know it. It still would have made me sad just because we spent so many years getting to know these characters. I don't, it definitely wouldn't have had the same effect as Natasha dying. So I think that's why they went that way. Um, I don't, I don't like how they're using that as, oh, it's so he can be with his family. But he still did all these horrible things knowing he was doing these horrible things. And he gets rewarded for it, like you said. Maybe though, maybe that's why, in a sense too, of like why we're getting this Hawkeye show. Obviously, they're pulling directly from the comics, where literally Hawkeye's passing the mantle to Kate Bishop, and they've got the dog and everything, and that's literally the logo. But it, it made so much sense. Excuse me for like maybe we'll get an episode or two of him dealing with that, of him mm-hmm. actually having to atone with the things that he's, he's done, because they said too that there'll be some Ronin in it as well. So. Maybe maybe we will get to see that, in which case that'll be full circle for him. And then all we would need, I guess we kind of got a full circle for Natasha in a sense. I just part of me always just wishes we got a little more of her because she really peaked at the end. Yeah, I definitely need to see him owning what he did in those five years. Like, I don't think they need they need to, like, just gloss over that. I think they need to 
he needs to, you know, talk to someone or do something acknowledging what he did during those five years. So it makes Nat's sacrifice mean even more. Yeah. But then you're also getting into a dangerous territory of what we do, like changes what we can get. Because Nat also killed a bunch of people before she became an Avenger and she did a whole bunch of bad stuff too. But I just think that in this scenario, kind of going back to what Maya was saying about what females are able to do in the MCU, it was before this time, it would have been Clint that was the one who sacrificed because the men were the ones who were sacrificing. They were the ones that were, you know, making the sacrifice play for everybody else. And then this time the female did it because, and it was because she had more impact. Yeah. And she fought for it too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I just, I see that differently. I think. No, that's, I'm starting to see it that way too. And I'm just, I'm almost getting like emotional a little bit, just thinking of that scene of (laughs) them fighting. God, I just remember in the theater what I was like, oh, here it is. Like, this Mm -hmm. is how they get done with Clint because, you know, they messed him up in the other Avengers movies. We'll get him the ending. And then when she jumped in, I was like, no. And then they just, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. We're, We're getting so close to talking about things like that. I'm sure. Um, okay, Maya, I think you've got the last hot take. <laughs> you got this, Maya. One. I have, like, a list of, like, three that I'm like, okay, I'll just say this one. And I guess it's a general statement, but it's, it relates to the MCU. Michael B. Jordan is not that great of an actor. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. And, and I know that's, like, a general statement, and I'm not saying just through the MCU. Like, him, he did a I think we got the fact that, okay, yes, he did a a good job as Killmonger, but I felt like if they chose another actor, it would have been even better. Um, I don't think, I think his character, like what the character represents was more powerful than how he portrayed the character. I, I feel like, you know, I feel like a lot of the casting with Michael B. Jordan is because they know people are going to follow what he does because... Everyone thinks he's so attractive and all this stuff. <laughs> I I really loved him in Fruitville Station, but I really struggle with his acting. And so, like, I just felt like that moment or with his character could have been ten times better with another actor. Wow. Hot take. Kara. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and hold my two Killmonger Funko Pops as I <laughs> Man, complete disagree. However, I will go back and watch with that hot take in mind because, like you said, he's a very good-looking man, and so maybe I've been (laughs) blindsided. I don't know. Uh, I loved his character. I thought he did a great job. I liked his look, like how they did his hair, even the all the like elevated skin <laughs> spots that they put on his chest for I guess all his kills. So that's kind of dark, but I thought that was cool. Um, I liked his acting. However, I've never picked it apart. Mm-hmm. But that could also be because you don't like him, and so you are picking it apart. And no, honestly, <laughs> I honestly I watched the first Creed, but you know it's like kind of tight. That that feel like that makes sense for Michael B. Jordan. But I watched Fruitvale Station. I was I really liked him as an actor. So this is like only the third when I saw Black Panther. That was only the third movie I've ever seen him in, and I didn't have any bad opinions of him at the time. But I'm like kept watching the movie. I'm like, gosh, like it's so average. <laughs> I couldn't but think that. But I felt like the, like his costume was great. 
the writing for his character was great, but it's just like the presence that he brought with it. Um, I just felt like there could have been stronger actors um, to really kind of give you that, like, kind of felt like annoying cousin, rather, well, kind of is in a way, um, <laughs> rather than, <laughs> rather than like a, kind of like a menacing force, like, with you truly, like, understanding kind of his motivation. So that's just my, just my take on it. <laughs> I'm terrified to watch this movie again now. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, he was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, I, same, I almost, same. I, I would. I don't know if this is a hot take. I liked him better than Chadwick in that movie. And uh, I know, I know. There's just <laughs> no, something, no. something about a couple, a couple scenes. But look, and maybe, maybe I'm just saying that in the moment. But I, I look back and think about the scene when they're in the place where he gets his mask. And he's talking with the lady about, you know, where did this come from and all of that. And just I feel like every scene that he's in, there was this this ominous, sinister thing about him where he's like the annoying cousin. But there's this part of you where you're like he can back up what he's saying, like where, you know, he gives you those looks and the little nonchalant things that he says. But, you know, he'd kill you in an instant. And there it's I don't know, like there's something about him that was just so menacing. And I think maybe that's what it was, was just in terms of that performance was more powerful to me than Black Panther. And I love Black Panther, don't get me wrong. And Chadwick was amazing. But just, like, I was almost at points, and, and again, credit to him, but, like, I was rooting for him at points where I was like, man, you know, it was like everyone was talking about that. He's got a lot of great things to say. He's making a lot of really good points about power. And uh, and then his whole line at the end when he's talking about, you know, bury me at sea, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, my. I, I was shocked that Marvel even, you know, had that in the movie. But for mm-hmm. him to be the one to deliver it, and, and even him with Chadwick there, like, they both nailed it. So maybe I would say they're on the same plane. But, yeah, that's funny. I'm going to have to do that, too. I'm going to have to rewatch it and think about it in that lens because I, I have enjoyed mm-hmm. him in most of the reason. Jalen, what about you? Yeah. Um, I was trying to think. I think Black Panther is the only movie I've seen him in. I don't know if I've – I've never mm-hmm. seen a Creed movie. I haven't mm-hmm. seen Fantastic Four even though I know that's not a very good movie in <laughs> you general. You don't need to see that. Um, I, I was trying to think, and I'm pretty sure Black Panther is the only movie of his that I've seen. Um, so I can't really compare all of his different acting. Um, but I, I liked him in Black Panther. Um, well, like everyone else, I'm going to have to rewatch it again and just kind of pay more attention to him and see how he portrays um, different emotions during the scenes and and everything and try not to focus too much on Chadwick like I normally do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard not to, but I was just looking, I'm looking to see what other movies he was in. Um so he was, he was in, in That's what I know him from. What? The TV, that must be the TV oh, show yeah. Parenthood. That's he like was one of Parenthood? his first things. Wait, what character was he? Alex, he was mad or er, Addie's whatever the daughter's boyfriend. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And he had a little uh, baby face back then. Oh yeah. Okay, so he was in Red Tails, that that movie about I believe that's the one about the Tuskegee Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, he was in Chronicle. If you haven't seen that, that's another superhero movie where uh, a couple kids I think they get the ability to fly or something like that. Uh, he was in Fruitvale Station. Um, he was in Fantastic Four Creed. 
but he was also in Fahrenheit 451, the HBO version of it. It was okay. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I thought he did fine. Uh, but he was also in uh, Just Mercy. That I Dustin do want to see that Cretton movie. movie. That was I a good movie. I, I can't do movies like that. Yeah, it was it was tough at points, but it was definitely like I'm glad he was there. He made the movie better because uh, it was it was a very you know it was the the classic you know autobiographical type story. But he he really enhanced the role. I thought. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, that's a. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a hot take to end on, but you know what? That's okay because now, now we're going to move into the uh, the party. So the we've, good we've, stuff. The good stuff. So we've spoken on our issues. We we've, we've aired our grievances, and now it's time to talk about what it is about the MCU that we love so much. So um, the ask that I had for everybody was not just like, what is your favorite scene? So like whatever that is, but also is there something just about the MCU? something about it that you love so much about it. So as we get started, like I said, we're going to go around and I would love to hear you all kind of talk about what got you into the MCU and maybe even just talk about that. Like, what is it about the MCU that you just love so much about it? So Carol, we'll start with you. Sure. Yeah. So I got into the MCU. I had seen Iron Man. I liked Iron Man. Never read a comic in my life other than Archie comics. Those <laughs> are great. You know, you know. Um, was not into the nerd community at all. Uh, and then I got forced to watch the Avengers in the theaters against my will. And my entire life changed. I went back and I watched all of the uh phase one movies before that got super into it put a tweet out and then I got a bunch of follows and some responses and I was like that's weird like what is this community that loves Marvel so much and I got into you know more and more into it and then I found you guys and <laughs> here we are talking about Marvel um, one of the things on my loves list is very true to me it's Iron Man suit ups oh, this yeah. is like probably one of the nerdiest loves of the mcu for me but when he like in all the different scenes where he does his suit up man i get so excited i wrote down my top three I'll say <laughs> <That's them. yes. laughs> okay. um, which is funny given our previous conversation because all of them come from the first two iron man movies oh wow okay, okay. <laughs> uh so obviously my first favorite one is the one where he's in the cave he builds okay. it from a box of scraps when he comes out and he's like, my turn. And then he like flames everyone up. And then he basically blows up in the sky. Love it. Yeah. Like it's so good. Um, and then the second one would be later on in the movie where he um, builds his first actual suit. And then he goes flying out. And Alex, you mentioned it earlier. He goes up to space and ices Aww. out. I love that. Yes. Um, and then my third favorite one is the suit up in Monaco where he like oh, gets the yeah. suitcase and he just pulls it up. Man, like nothing gets me excited and pumped up like faster than watching Iron Man suit up. I will say my uh, honorable mention is in Infinity War when he like pulls the parachute thing out of his oh, suit and yeah. then taps, <laughs> taps his chest and then the nanotech comes out. Love that. So it's yeah. got to be one of my favorites. Oh, man. I'm like, I was thinking in my head, like, what, what were some of my top? suit up I, I would put a lot of those up there for sure that monica one that's like i, I feel like that one lives in infamy be, not infamy just you know that one is so it was just, that was like the coolest thing in the world because you're at that point in the movie where you're like 
how is he going to become Iron Man? And you kind of saw the box and you're like, okay, what's in the box? But just the way that he did it and the fact that Whiplash doesn't slice any of his hands off while he's doing it was just so cool and, and awesome. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool. I love oh Yeah. Great pick. Great pick. Jalen, what about you? What got you into the MCU and what's your, your first favorite thing? Yeah. Um, so I always say that I'm a new fan, um, a very recent fan. So I remember seeing Iron Man in theaters and I remember seeing Avengers in theaters and enjoying those movies, um, obviously. Um, but I didn't see any of the other movies. Um, I would cut. I remember seeing like Captain America just randomly like on TV one day and I was like, okay, this is cool, but he doesn't get the girl at the end. So like, why am I watching this? Cause <laughs> I'm a hopeless romantic. So, you know, um, and then, um, I want to say it was the new years of 2017 and 2018. Um, Taylor and I, we decided to watch all of them cause it was like negative 30 degrees outside. So didn't want to go out and party. So we're like, let's just watch all the Marvel movies and instantly just fell in love. I didn't, like, when I saw Iron Man and Avengers, like, I didn't know about the connections between all the movies. Um, so my journey, I'd say, started very, very recently. Um, and then after we did that, Black Panther was my next movie I saw in theater and then haven't missed one since. Which so I know cool. isn't very many, but um, I'm sad that I didn't see all the other ones in theaters and maybe someday if they ever come back, I'll definitely go. Um, but I do like that just one random New Year's just decided to watch them all. And here I am. Can't get enough. Yeah, but see, so. you didn't have to go through the agonizing torture of mm -hmm. having to wait in between. Like, I can't. I would love to have been in your shoes and to just sit down and binge watch all of them at once. Like, yeah. having to wait, you know, four years at some points for, oh, my God, was just the worst thing in the world. Uh, I mean, so just no, waiting that's... now is torture. Just how long we had to wait for Black Widow. Like, that know. was torture enough. <laughs> is torture. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, okay, what what's uh, what would you say is one of your, your favorite things about the MCU? Yeah, uh, so one of my favorite things, um, I'm a big Bucky fan. Love oh, Bucky. Okay. Um, <laughs> but my favorite Bucky is Bucky and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, yes. that's my favorite Bucky. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love the journey he goes on in that show. Um, I love that scene of him in Wakanda, um, how he's getting like the Winter Soldier like taken out of him. Mm -hmm. um, Sebastian Stan did an amazing job in that scene. You could really feel his emotions. He had um, a shirt on, right? <laughs> uh, I think so, but I don't yeah, I was know. Say, if you don't know, he probably had a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the hair and that's right. I oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the quivering lip and the, the tear. Yeah, yes. he's just so good. Um, I love his conversation with Sam when they're throwing like the shield around and oh, how yes. he, you know, just comes to realize how, um, how he was like treating Sam and how he was, you know, taking it more as how Steve saw him instead of how Bucky was seeing Sam. Um. I just, I just love his journey in that. I mean, I love Bucky throughout all the MCU, but him and Falcon Winter Soldier is my favorite. God, yeah. If he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Yeah. That broke me. That was my favorite line, I mm -hmm. think, from him in the series. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great. Maya, all right. What brought you to the MCU? Um, I think what turned... I watch Iron Man 
Captain America when they came out in theaters, but what really like made me a fan was Avengers movie and just seeing it all connected. Um, I'm a huge sucker for like family movies. So like you talked about Parenthood, binge watch Parenthood, Cheaper by the Dozen, shoot, even the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. <laughs> like I just love yours, mine, and ours. Like I yes. love the idea of just like newfound family. And I just feel like on a, in a superhero way, that's what Marvel was giving. Like, so I love Guardians. Like, I remember that scene, or was it, I think it was displayed in the trailer, Rocket on War Machine's shoulder. Like, these are two random characters completely on opposite ends of the MCU. And they're just like, the synergy there is just amazing. So I just love the idea that people can be so different. And can like come together and like do a really awesome thing. I just love that in general. So I think that's just my and since that is always like with the connected nature of the MCU, that is always being explored. That's what makes me just it fills my cup. My cup runneth over in this. <laughs> it does, it does. So I would say that's my my favorite thing. It, it's, there's so many scenes, it's hard to even pinpoint, but like I remember that. Rocket and Rhodey scene, the Rhodey Nebula scene, like everyone is just there and just connected, and I love it. Yeah, that's that's a great call out, the Rhodey Nebula scene where he's like, "Yeah, don't worry, me too," or whatever he, like, whatever it was that he says. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, there was like nothing said between them, wasn't there? Because she like she did she like looks at her hand and then she's kind of like embarrassed that she's a robot, and he says. He says, don't worry about it. Me too, right? Or something. He says yeah, something she, where you... She says something like, we, uh, we oh, haven't always been this way. Yeah, or haven't something always been like this that. way. He said, don't worry, me neither. Or something like that. It was like the, just the perfect or littlest like, thing We work say. with what we got, right? Yes, yeah. We work with what yeah. we've got. It's just yeah. the littlest lines that deliver just so much impact for anyone watching that. Of somebody who thinks they're a little bit different. And it's like, don't worry. You know, we, we, we do with what we got. Like, love that. Love that. And Carrie, you already said yours. Okay, so that means I have to, I have to go. <laughs> All right. uh, well, I will say this. I have four episodes of the podcast uh, dedicated to how I got into the MCU, so I will not go into that. Uh, but I will talk about some of my favorite things. So uh, I guess I'll open up with a more generic thing, which is the continuity skills. So I just – honestly, that's my favorite – my ultimate favorite thing about the MCU is just the way that they are able to weave everything in together to help to make sense to where I'm the kind of person where I never I, I loved watching all superhero movies like I love the Fantastic Four movies not the new one I love the you know Christopher Nolan Batman movies some of the older ones but there's just was always that piece in my head because I had read the comics of like where's Iron Man where's the Joker where's like you're in this world with all these characters where are they and you'd get hints of that in some of these movies like the second Fantastic Four when we saw Silver Surfer and Galactus I was well when we saw Silver Surfer I was like oh my this is just amazing I love this and then by the end when you don't really even see Galactus it was such a letdown and I was like God, like I just I was so downtrodden for the longest time because I was like Galactus is one of my favorite characters of all time and I was just like, why aren't they getting this right? And I'd say the same thing with, like, the Spider-Man movies. Like, I loved the Spider-Man movies when they came out. But even when you got to Spider-Man 3, it was like, this isn't how you 
bring these characters together. Like you're literally just throwing them all in a pot and hoping they all boil together. And it just didn't work. And then when, when I saw the Nick Fury bit at the end of Iron Man, I was like, okay, okay. But when Iron Man two came out and I saw that in theaters, that's what sold me. And I was just like, holy cow. Like you got, you got Phil Coulson, you got war machine, you got the captain America shield, the Thor end credits tag. There was just so much. And it was funny too, because at that time, a lot of critics were like, they tried shoving too much into this movie. They tried, this movie was more focused on setting other things up. And I'm like, but don't you see that's the, that's the point of these movies is like you get a cohesive story, but you get all of these tendrils that start spreading out. And just like uh, in the Loki thing, when uh, the, you know, the time stream opens up. And it's like you see that in real time as all these movies branch off. And you got the Guardians in a corner, but Thanos is in there. And you've got, you know, Captain Marvel, but oh, she's the reason they're called the Avengers. Like everything continuity-wise is those are the things that give me chills and get me so excited about the MC. So I'd say number one, it's always gonna be that. And I hope and pray that they just keep doing that for as long as they can because everything has been perfect. Like every continuity piece is like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Like, yes, this is perfect. So yeah, so that that would be that would be mine. What do you guys think about that? I love it. Well I mean, said. Yeah, <laughs> agree with everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, especially the whole like 10 rings, like that coming back. Oh play. my God, <laughs> yes, yeah. And then oh they throw God. up the, uh, they throw up the All Hail the King. Uh, uh, yes. The one shot sure. on Disney Plus. I'm like, yeah. Why else would they be putting that up there if they're mm-hmm. not going to be dealing with that in the movie? And you know, right. if you watch that one shot, there's going to probably be something besides, I, I mean, I'm sure Kingsley's going to be in the movie, but I bet you there's like a line or something that they say in this new movie that's like, oh my God, that was in the the freaking one shot. That mm-hmm. was in a movie. Just the fact, like the fact that they got the the guy from the Captain Carter episode, the, um, the other general or whatever, who's in the mm-hmm. one shot for Peggy. Like he's the same voice as the same guy. Like they just they there's no ends of the earth that they wouldn't go to. I think to get the right continuity going for the films. Yeah, love it. <laughs> just gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, Kara, what what do you got? Favorite scene? Favorite moment? Favorite thing? Okay, so I'm gonna call this uh, the waterfall scene from Black Panther, but it also kind of like brings a couple of other things. So I'll explain. Okay. So I feel like the waterfall scene in Black Panther, at least for me was a massive turning point in the MCU. Um, So leading up to the Black Panther coming out, there was so much buildup for this movie. There was like years worth of, of anticipation of waiting for a Black superhero, right? And then when they announced this movie, there was so much pressure. There was so much buildup. There was so much talk even about like, are they going to do it right? Like who's, you know, actually going to see this? And then you heard voices like, well, we don't even really need like representation in superhero movies. It's just superheroes and stuff like that. So there was so much leading to this moment, you know, sending busloads of kids to the movies and everybody was paying for it. So even before like going into this movie, everybody's donating money okay like let's get these kids to the movies so that they can see somebody who looks like them on the big screen and just so much like pressure and anticipation okay what are they gonna do 
And then I just remember going into the theater the first like opening night when the waterfall scene came out and it's like panning out and you see the different tribes and their different uh, like outfits that they're wearing, um, the sounds, like the music, the song that they're doing, just the fact that they're there for tradition. Like when you talk about Black excellence, like this to me was it. Like I just in, like I just started bawling in the scene because I felt like I was part of something that was bigger than me. Everybody else in the world at this moment is experiencing the same thing as me. And that there is a cultural shift in an MCU movie, like in a huge, massive, like superhero movie. There's kids, there's like grandparents out here that are experiencing this for the first time. There's like five-year-olds that are out here experiencing for the first time, like all at the same time. And here's just me sitting in the theater, like watching this, probably one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen with the waterfalls and everything, the colors and everything like that. And I was just like, man, like, this is a moment. I'll never forget it. So for me, like, that was one of my favorite things, like the scene in general, but also what it meant for culture as a whole. And then where it's gone since then, because I honestly don't think that we get movies like Shang-Chi or um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show or the new Wakanda series. Like, I don't think that we get movies and shows like that without Black Panther. So that was my, like, one of my favorite things. Yeah, that's really well said. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I get very emotional about it. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it, well, it's weird, too, to think about because that movie, and it's funny, I was looking last night on Box Office Mojo because I was trying to see, like, when's the pandemic over for, for movies? I've been, like, trying to monitor the box office, and I was like, well, what what was box office status quo like a couple years ago? And so I was going back and looking through the top movies and you look at like that year, 2018, and the number one movie of the year worldwide was Infinity War because it did so well overseas. But uh, Black Panther actually outgrossed Infinity War uh, domestically. So more people actually went and saw Black Panther than they did go see Infinity War. And it's just so cool to think about that. Not only that, like, we got both of those movies in the same year, but you had those, like, collective experiences that were so different. Whereas, like, when you're walking out of Black Panther, everyone was, the spirits were so high. And it was like, oh, my God. And then you go into Infinity War and you see Wakanda. And you just hear the cheers from everybody. And it's so funny when you go back and listen to like the the interviews and how, you know, Kevin Feige was saying, you know, yeah, we weren't sure how much uh, Wakanda to put into the movie. We didn't know if, you know, this would hit right with the audiences. So we decided to put a little bit in. It's like, just, you know, that's a lie. You know that they're going to be like, these people are going to love this movie and we need to put some more in this other movie because they're going to want it. And it's just just so cool to see. And then the people walking out of that movie, like the reaction being completely different because it's a completely different movie. But just that's just the magic of the MCU that all these movies totally different, yet you have these different experiences, but they're still the same, right? Of you go into the theater and everyone walks out feeling the same way. You all feel that, that excellence like you're talking about of just like, look at how far we've come. Yeah, we've still got a lot more to go, but this is Marvel saying, hey, we're putting a stop to that right now. And this is like, we're carving out a new plan going forward, starting from here. So yes, I agree. Even was- like people wearing like their traditional outfits yeah. from home, 
like that never would have happened before that but like I you know saw so many pictures people were so proud to wear you know their traditional clothing and stuff like like that is so cool that and that just happened from a movie like people say like oh entertainment is just entertainment I disagree and the uh the academy disagreed as well yeah (laughs) finally (laughs) okay Jalen what do you got all right um mine's not as deep (laughs) but I agree with everything you just said Kara um (laughs) but my next favorite thing um is that I love Steve and Peggy's relationship and I love that he went back in time and Endgame and got his dance. I know a lot of people are like, well, Steve wouldn't do that. He wouldn't abandon the Avengers or whatever. I'm like, but Steve also deserves happiness too. And his happiness was Peggy. And so I love that they got their dance. I love that's how the movie ended. Um, And then bringing it back to what if, how they kept that relationship alive in what if with Peggy being Captain Carter and Steve still being skinny Steve, how she still loved him, even though he was skinny Steve. She didn't care that Steve was Captain America. She cared that Steve was Steve. And so I, I loved it. I mean, I always wish we got more of it, but you know, when he's frozen in ice for whatever, 70 years and she's not, you know, you got to get what you get. But I, I was here for that, that dance at the end. I didn't care that Steve abandoned the Avengers or whatever. Um, he got his happy ending. There was a uh, a thing. I don't remember when we talked about this, but uh, when that movie came out around, everyone was trying to guess who was going to die in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And every, I, I remember that. And that was so fun. It was like, okay, you know, if the, the science adds up and if the moon's sitting on this side of this part of the screen, it's probably going to be. I, everyone was saying Steve's going to die. And Tony's going to get to ride off into the sunset was, I I think, was the general consensus and kind of the way they talked of like he'd been through so much. And then when the movie ended, and it's funny when I watched it, I completely forgot about all of that. And I loved that. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is terrible, but perfect, because throughout the entire MCU journey, Tony Stark is nothing but a selfish jerk. And so he does everything for himself the whole time until the end. And he finally makes the sacrifice play. Whereas Steve spends his entire time in the NCU doing everything for everyone else and never does anything mm-hmm. for himself. So he gets that selfish moment at the end to go back. And so, yeah, I was never I was never mad at that. I, that made me I mean, if I wasn't crying already, I'd cried at that end. So <laughs> right? I, I would say despite my thoughts on Sharon, uh, I think Peggy and Steve is, I'm trying to think of any others, but I think they're my favorite relationship in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Well, and it kind of brings it back to, I think it's Winter Soldier, when Steve meets up with Sam at that counseling session, and Sam's like, what makes you happy? And Steve's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, great because point. Because yeah. his happy ending was gone. Like, he, his happy ending was was Peggy, and so just for him to get that at the end was just really fulfilling and really rewarding. Yeah. And it made my heart super happy. I I never thought about it this way, too, but I wonder, and man, like, I'm sure Rob would have been great to talk about with this, but like, the soldier's welcome back of like, you know, you go off to war and doesn't really matter what the tour is, but when you come back, like, your life has changed. Mm -hmm. Everything is different. You know, maybe your family moved on. Maybe your loved ones moved on. Maybe, you know, something happened and now, or heaven forbid you died overseas. But there's just that whole thing of like, you're never the same after you come back. 
And Steve really played that really well in the like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so I feel like, again, I was never a soldier, but I just feel like there, there had to have been something there where they probably saw something in that too of like, yeah, if as a soldier, if I could go back, I would go back to before it all happened and have that happy moment because like the whole, I'm getting emotional, but like the whole rest of your life, like sucked, right? Like, yeah, it was great to help everybody, but I lost the person I love and I'm never going to get them back. And so it just makes so much sense that he chose to do that. And mm -hmm. yeah, I love him for it. Yeah. And if we didn't get that ending, then we probably wouldn't have Sam as Captain America now. If it yeah. would have been reversed where Steve dies in battle and Tony goes on, like, I don't see Tony giving the shield to Sam. I see Tony just like keeping it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. So I, I think it, it just played out perfectly. That was a deep, I think that was a deep one. It was deeper than you thought. Um, yes, deeper than you thought. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Maya? Um, so this is more like a macro level <laughs> in terms of just things I appreciate about the MCU. And I think since Kara kind of talked to, like, yes, like, I was definitely going to say, like, in terms of the commitment to diversity, but I think just like how refreshing it is, we've got to a point now in the MCU where now it's they're kind of getting rid of like the traditional like superhero structure and then basically creating stories that are so niche. I love like the fact that like I love Law and Order and so like a She-Hulk like, you know, law, lawyer drama is exists is great. And then I think of like Ant-Man Quantumania. I don't know in my head I think of like Magic School Buzz because I think of <laughs> and they're going to shrink it down and they're going to go on all these different adventures. I don't know. That um, awesome. <laughs> with all the young Avengers. I don't know. So I think there's just so much of them. Spider-Man's more like high school, like teen. So I love the fact that, and even Miss Marvel, um, I just feel, I, I love the fact that they're now telling different types of stories in different ways now with Disney plus. So I just, it's really exciting to know that, you know, it's not as if we're getting a bunch of different Marvel, traditional Marvel movies, like from phase one to phase three, even though I feel like those are all very different, differentiated, like the structure is pretty similar. Um, so I just love that they're being able to align Marvel stories with different genres, if that makes sense. Um, so I would say like that storytelling is really refreshing because I mean, I loved all three. I mean, Loki was just kind of out of this world. It's definitely my favorite Disney plus show, but I would have never thought in a million years, the tone and then the topics of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like that was ever going to be a thing. So it was that because one division still felt like a film to me. I don't know why, like, even though it was all based on sitcoms, it still felt like a, MCU epic movie. Falcon the Winter Soldier, I'm like, wow, this feels very different. Completely different tone. You never, they didn't really talk about a lot of things happening in the real world as directly. So I guess I would just say, just knowing the commitment to diversifying the stories and the, the mediums in which they're telling it. I agree. Definitely awesome. agree. And as what will like keep more hot take po podcast episodes in the future because different yeah. like stories will hit with different people, right? Yeah, I mean that's the whole the whole reason why it's been so successful for as long as it has. And I think Kevin said that on a, a recent interview that he did around like 
we have as much as we like giving people what we, they want like we always try to give them more different things because they say like we all know we want more of it but like when you end up getting it you wish you hadn't gotten it because then it's like I've got too much of it. And so the fact that they keep changing it up, like even with each episode of what if, like the fact that each episode has gotten crazier and crazier, that, that's just a small example of like how they just, they're not afraid to shake things up and do things differently and really take risks. And it's, it's really shown with the, with the shows for sure. But even with the movies, I'm sure even people who hate the MCU can find one MCU movie that they actually really like. Cause it's right up their alley in terms of that genre. Uh, okay, so my my next one, and I'm looking at my list here, see what a, a, a good one would be. I think I think I'm gonna go with this one. So there's there were some moments when like after Endgame came out uh, on DVD where I was like, re- and I think we were at that point too doing watch parties, rewatching them. I and so I had done like back to backs for two years where I did you know watch them both during the same day, and there was just this. I don't know how it happened, but I started crying during in both times when Spider-Man goes up onto the ship or like right around that moment. And so I I marked it down as Spider-Man and Iron Man go into space. I love this moment because there's something so cool about it in the moment when you're watching it. Like, oh, my God, like Peter Parker, he gets to go into space. But once you've seen the movies, there's just this like that's the moment they die. Like that is the moment that if if Spider-Man had just stayed on the damn bus, he wouldn't have gotten snapped away. Iron Man, you know, like all this stuff wouldn't have happened. And I wrote down this other one of the same thing of like when Tony puts the bomb in in Avengers up into the like directs the bomb up into space. Both of those moments just hit so hard for me because they're 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 like those butterfly effect moments of like they don't mean a lot when you're watching them for the first time but when you go back and see those moments and how just that one small thing affected so many movies going forward they're just so powerful and i, I don't really have much more to say other than like <laughs> i loved those scene that scene yeah if any war could be completely different if peter actually went back to earth I know, and he gave him multiple times to do it and said, like, don't come. And then he gets him in the suit to shoot him off. And he's still like that bit (laughs) when he he gets back. I'm like, no, no, like, stop. Just drop down to the ground. You'll be fine. They can handle it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if there was even anything. They probably, I mean, they still would have lost. They lost anyway. So, like, he'd have been, well, he would have been snapped down on the ground. But just there's a lot of drama in that movie. There's a lot of sad moments in that Okay, Kara, what do you got? Um, my third love, and you guys will laugh when you hear it because you know I won't shut up about this scene. Uh, <laughs> it is in Infinity War. So a lot Ooh. of people in Infinity War, their big, like, exciting moment is when Thor arrives in Wakanda and it's like a straight out of a comic book. He's like, bring me Thana. Before you get so excited, Alex, this is not my scene. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I think I know what scene you're thinking of, and that's what I'm getting excited about. Yeah, so people love the Thor scene. My favorite scene is when Steve and T'Challa run out ahead yes. of everybody else as they're going to face the Black Order and Thanos' army. Um, so aside from the fact that this is like four seconds of just satisfying visuals, like this just does it for me like I feel so complete whenever I see this scene like I'll watch Infinity War I'll get here and I'll just be like ah like like, (laughs) it could end there for me like I don't care 
it's so satisfying but I love it for so many reasons uh more than just the satisfying visuals I think it was so interesting because we know um Steve Rogers as Captain America and we know T'Challa as Black Panther and what they're able to do but we don't know comparatively what they're able to do so to see them side by side and think oh my gosh like Black Panther and Captain America are just as fast like they have the same speed was so Ah. my little nerd brain like could not handle that it was like comparison and unity in the same moment which is very hard to get um but also just the lesson that it gives of leadership you know i was thinking about like an end game like thanos's uh leadership and end game is to just stand back and have everybody else do his work for him like the entire movie is just like okay you go get this and you bring this to me even at the point where like in the final battle like he was just sitting there like for a lot of the time like letting everybody else handle their business but in this scene like what makes steve captain america what makes t'challa a king is that they understand leadership. They want to lead by example. And they genuinely believed that they had something to bring to the table and they they had to do it. Like in their heart, they had to be, you know, the sacrifice play. They had to go ahead. And like, if you're just thinking about all the other citizens of Wakanda, for example, like the difference it makes if you're king is like, hey man, go out there and fight this battle versus... I'm going forward. Like even just the excitement and the motivation that you would feel as, you know, a warrior as well is completely different when your king is running full force ahead and just completely ripping people apart and like looking like such a badass doing it. Now I love the scene, like the leadership shown, the visuals, the side-by-side comparison of their um of their skills and abilities like even compared to the other avengers like i love it <laughs> yeah that is what i was i knew that's what you were gonna say okay. that's what i was talking <laughs> about amen to everything that you said like there's it's almost like a, a roller coaster in a sense of like is it more fun when you go up the roller coaster or is it more fun when you get to the end of the roller coaster? Cause I think that scene is you going up the roller coaster and yes. Thor coming to Wakanda is when you get down to the bottom of the roller coaster. It's a lot more cathartic than that scene is. That scene's like, Oh, Oh, here we go. Like, here comes the yeah. fight. Let's go. Whereas <laughs> yeah. Thor is more like, Oh, thank God. Like, Oh, thank goodness he's here. And so, I mean, I love Thor's scene, but yes. Oh, that just, Every time I remember I lost it when I saw that in theaters because for that, I mean, it's the same as in the comics. Like you want to see the superpowers. You want to see how they stack yes. up against each other and especially without them fighting each other. So, yes. like, you, you side by side. Yeah. Side by side. Imagine the Wakandans being like, who didn't know Captain America being like, who's this guy? Like he's, he's a badass. <laughs> he's insane. Like, look at them go. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I'm getting pumped. I'll, I'd fight for b- both of them. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Hundred percent agree. Love that scene. Yeah, it's amazing about it. Thank All you. All right, Jalen, what do you got? <laughs> All right, so my third favorite thing um, is I love the scene in Captain Marvel when she gets her full powers at yes. the end. Um, yes. I I know I'm in the. Um, not a lot of people really like this movie. It's not in their top tier. This movie's like in my top five MCU movies. Like I love this movie. Um, just that moment when she gets her powers, um, 
I love that line where she says, I've been fighting with one arm tied behind my back. What happens when I'm finally set free? And then it's just like, bang, like full powers, takes everyone out. Um, it's just visually ap appealing. Um, I love the score with it. It just got me oh. pumped. I'm like, girl power, let's get it. Let's yeah. go. I'm ready to like kick butt with you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was here for it. I'm a strong defender of this movie. Um, I, I'm very excited for the second Captain Marvel, especially with Miss um, Marvel being in it and um, uh, Tiana Paris' character. Um, I'm whatever her name's going to be. Photon is that what we think it's going to be? Um, Either that or what's the other one? Uh, Spectrum. Yeah, so I'm excited for that girl power movie. Like this movie, it just got me pumped. Um, I know a lot of people went to see this movie just to get excited for Endgame, um, which I was, you know, going to get excited for Endgame, but I was more so going because it was like that first female-led superhero movie. Um, I just loved everything about it. And I, I mean, I wish it was set more in the future than the past, but you know, it is what it is. We're getting one that's hopefully set in the future. Um, but yeah, just that moment of her getting her powers and kicking butt, I'm here for it. Give me more of it. Yes, I'm That's with you. Me. I think I'm also part of the group that typically likes Captain Marvel more than the average person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that scene was so powerful. I remember mm -hmm. like watching that in theaters, like jaw on the ground, like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Mm -hmm. To the point where it's like, gosh, like, what are the other Avengers doing? Like, she's, <laughs> right. like, she's the one. Like, we don't need anybody else. We just need her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just straight chills. It was crying. It was just a lot of emotions. Um, and I will defend this movie for the rest of my life. I'm here <laughs> for it. <laughs> I'm Team Captain Marvel as well. Uh, and that actually was one of mine, too, was actually the entire Captain Marvel movie of just mm -hmm. the... I, while it would, would have been nice to get a Black Widow solo film, Captain Marvel is one of my favorite comic book characters. So getting to see her in her 2012, like, current getup versus, you know, what the old-timey Miss Marvel comics, all that. Like, I loved that they just fast-tracked her current version of the character versus trying to do, like, what they did with the Phase 1 characters, was just, I thought, was brilliant. So, yeah, no, in that scene, oh, when she flies through the ship. Yes, it's amazing. Just blow, oh, my God, Ronan's like, oh, oh, what? Yeah, and just, like, just the score with, like, the drums banging in the background. Oh. I was just, like, I was, like, standing up standing ovation like oh, <laughs> it's just the best <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Kara, are you team captain marvel uh i will say she's not my favorite okay. I, I don't dislike her i didn't dislike the movie it's not in my top 10 um that the scene where in that movie that did it for me was when she like kept getting up like and she was a kid and she kept getting up like i cry at that every time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's super powerful too. Mm -hmm. And it was McKenna Grace. Right? Who doesn't love McKenna Grace? I know. Little <laughs> lovable stinker. Okay, Maya, what do you got? Number three. So this is a specific scene. I have a favorite scene, but I feel like y'all have already heard that a thousand times. The one between Nakia and Kuye. But I wanted to talk about another scene that I recently rewatched Civil War and I'm like, wow, this. Every time I see the scene, I get chills, and that's the scene between Alfre Woodard and uh, Tony Stark oh. about, like, her son. And because we don't have a lot of interactions with, like, 
just average civilians in the MCU. And so every time, like, that movie, like, that scene takes me out of the movie. Every time I watch it, like, it doesn't even feel, like, normal because there's just so much, like, humanity within. It's like, gosh, like, what if I did get off, like, an elevator and confront Jeff Bezos type deal? Like, that's what I always think about. Like, for Elon Musk, like, do you realize the power that you have? Like, you know, I have a lot of, I don't know, I just, you know, y'all know that I'm, I really struggle with a lot of capitalistic ideas and just like how it's affecting our world. And I always think like, wow, if I had this moment to confront a billionaire, to confront someone who has basically power over so so many people's livelihoods, like what would I say or what would I do? And since that scene brings me out of the movie, it's always making me reflect. Um, and I think that scene was very powerful. We're not saying like I'm Team Iron Man or anything like that in the movie, but I do feel like that confrontation for the character we've never even seen before, and just like how she approaches him and like catching catching him off guard, was really powerful. And I just think that scene was great. And even though we don't agree with necessarily Tony and like how he goes about things, but um, I think that that scene really like made us check like, wow, like these superheroes are kind of just doing whatever they want. And granted, they're doing the best that they can to save as many people, but they do have unlimited power and there's no sort of like checks and balances. And it kind of like thinks about like real world, like, gosh, what if this is happening? And, uh, you know, if, you know, a friend or a family member, you know, was caught up in the crossfire of one of these superhero missions or something like that. So I love that scene. Love it so much. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's one of those too. That's like a, a deep cut in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like not a lot of people think about that scene, and even when they do, it's that Alfred Woodard was also in Luke Cage, and it's like, oh, that's a continuity error, and it's like, oh my, <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, no, you bring a really great point to that. I, it's funny. That's kind of how it is in the comics as well. And that's like the only thing I agree with Iron Man on because I've all I'm always always will be Team Cap, but like where he came from because of that makes so much sense. Like to be like, yes, we need to be more accountable for our actions. Amen to that. Like I feel like people in power do need that accountability, and for him being willing to admit that and want to do better is great. Just the way that they decided to do it was wrong with the whole you know Sokovia Accords. But yeah, that's a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I kind of forgot about it until you brought it up. Um, so definitely makes me want to go back and watch Civil War and just pay more attention to that scene. Mm-hmm. I actually like- just watched this movie this week. Oh, and yeah. so that scene always makes me uncomfortable. And I didn't <laughs> understand why until you just said that it takes you out of the movie and puts you into the real world. That's mm-hmm. exactly why it makes me uncomfortable. And that's probably what they were trying to do. Yeah. It's like, who is she? Where'd she come from? And it's like, you were not expecting that. It always catches me off guard. Mm-hmm. Really but what she's saying is so, like, you feel it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you also love your superheroes. And you don't want anybody to, like, treat them badly or think bad of them. Because you mm-hmm. know, you've seen all that they've tried to do. So you're like, no, no, he did it for good reasons. But then at the same time, okay, you lost your son. Right. You are right. Like, 
guess. It's such an mm-hmm. uncomfortable feeling. Right. And it like puts you in like the dilemma that all the heroes are in. Like like the whole idea of like trading lives and everything like that. Like with all these missions, like so many people getting hurt in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Must have been why the final battles were in space and in empty fields, so that there were no casualties. <laughs> no human casualties. <laughs> uh, okay, well, my last one, I'm going to try and tie all of these together. I, I still have a few on this list, but I think this one goes well. So I talked a little bit about space, a little bit about Captain Marvel, a little bit about continuity. So this is a, it's a twofer. It's not only I love Marvel's casting, which also is Sarah Halley Finn, but introducing Monica in WandaVision is one of my favorite things ever. And again, I I say all those because it combines, you know, her, just the fact that like we got her mom in Captain Marvel and, you know, you kind of thought, oh, like there she is, like we're going to see her at some point, but no idea she was even coming in WandaVision or maybe they said something about it, but the fact that you know, like Tiana Paris it was perfection in every scene that she was in. I wanted just a show about her eventually. I was like, can we please just have that? But then like how she gets her power, the flashback of how she loses her mom and how she gets snapped, like everything about it just made me fall in love with her and, and see just this, like I, I am more excited and it's, I hate saying it, of like she's what I'm most excited about seeing in the Marvels. But Same. like the other two, obviously, I'm dying to see Miss Marvel and and Carol again. But just like we got a superhero origin story in the best way possible, because I think that's another complaint we see a lot from from well, it used to be from the MCU of like like with Spider Man. Oh, we're constantly seeing his origin story in all the Spider Man movies, yada yada yada. And so it's like, okay, well, how can we get creative with origin stories? I had always said just do a flashback at the beginning of the movie or have it as the credits roll, easy peasy. But the fact that you've weaved it into someone else's show that has nothing to do with you, yet you somehow also weave that into where it, it has everything to do with you, just it was mind blowing. And every and I, I uh, the my Monica pop is actually on the way in the mail. It's finally shipped. So I, I am just so She's excited. So <laughs> So yes, that's I just I love I love that, and I, I think you guys are fans of her as well. Yeah, oh, for sure, hundred percent. The barrier. Oh. oh, that scene with the barrier. Don't even get me started. That Monica, was such a powerful scene. Monica's probably the character I fell in love with the fastest. Yeah, out of all of them in the MCU, sure. like man, I would do. I would follow her anywhere. I would watch her in anything. Except for Candyman, because I heard that's scary. Yeah, but, that's, <laughs> but that's not Monica Rambeau, though, so it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, man, I love her character, and I loved uh, seeing her origin story like happen in real life. Because exactly like you said, like in a TV show, I wasn't expecting that because this TV show was about Wanda, right, <laughs> and Vision, right. and then now we like watch this origin story and i was there for it <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, was like, I watched it from the beginning i feel so invested in her and so a part of her story but man i she's amazing right and i feel like that's why i struggle with sharon because even as an extra character not being part of like the title yeah. characters like monica was able to just stand down they gave her like a great like story and path and like a launch pad into the Marvels and like with Sharon you're still like 
what, what you doing? I'll, I'll <laughs> so, uh, I think, yeah, because they did her character so well, like how she mm-hmm. was. Like, so it was really hard. I guess it's just really hard to tap that, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she's so beautiful. Yeah. Man. I know. I could look hair. at her all day. <laughs> <laughs> her hair? Oh, I, my goodness. Her hair is amazing. Everything I can't does. wait to see her in a space suit. Or in her superhero costume. Yes. yes oh, my God. Take that. I wonder what the... Well, you know, I'm wondering, because I'm going to have to look at the comics, because so that, you know, with the names, she she is... I don't remember what name it is, but she's got a white costume, where she's got, like, a sort of like a Captain Marvel star that's sort of black. And I wonder if they're hinting at that with, like, you know, the Funko Pop and the other stuff, where she's just always in a white spacesuit. She I is wonder, in a white spacesuit. Right. So I, yeah, I, I wonder like, if her superhero suit is going to be the white suit with like, like, oh, man. And that would look so good. Oh, man. Okay. Take my money now. Please. <laughs> please. But the, the, the Funko suit is the one that she's wearing when she's pushing through the barrier. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Yeah. I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, it's like, oh, I need to come up with a superhero suit. Well, why don't I just jerry-rig one of my spacesuits sort of thing? Or like mm-hmm. something happens where, you know, transform. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe that... Or maybe they're honoring her suit by just doing that one. That, you know, that's what it is. And she comes up with something new. But mm-hmm. the possibilities are endless. <laughs> Whatever it will be, she'll rock it. And it'll be amazing. And yeah, yeah I am I am looking forward to her in the Marvels yes. movie. I think she, I'm glad that they're adding her to that. And keeping that connection with Carol. And I, I hope we see more of like what the relationship was because you kind of get a hint of that in WandaVision, so I hope they kind of explore that more. Yeah, that'll be god. Every uh, every movie I'm looking forward to, it's so hard to pick, <laughs> it's hard to pick one, but yes, the Marvels that's going to be amazing. Yeah, well, guys, we we have made it to the end of this celebration. We talked about some of our favorite things, some of the things that may have been not so favorite for others. So uh, we will wrap this up. What I'll do is I'll go around the horn. Feel free to share anything you'd like about uh, anything, what you're excited for, maybe what you're looking forward to most from the MCU. Uh, and then we will wrap this up. So, uh, Kara, we'll start with you and go around the same. Uh, sure. So first, I just want to acknowledge the fact that we had a whole podcast about what we love, and we didn't even touch on portals. I think we just all assumed that um, we all had yeah. that at the top mm-hmm. of the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, man, I'm excited for everything, pretty much. Um, every, every, like, project that they come out with, I just get more and more into and so, yeah, Shang-Chi for, or Shang-Chi, sorry, for us this, this weekend. Nobody talked to me between Thursday and Saturday. <laughs> Put the phone in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Jalen, what about you? Um, well, like Kara, I'm excited for everything. Um, I, Eternals has been, like, my top, what I was most excited for, of, like, announced movies um but now i'm really looking forward to captain america 4 with sam i'm ready for his solo movie and i know we know like nothing about it but it's already jumped to the top of my list (laughs) i'm ready for it yes (laughs) absolutely 
Did they just announce that, like, just that it's the movie and he signed on? Like, they didn't say anything about who's directing mm-hmm. or anything like that? I but think so. I think it's yeah. just him and there's, like, no other details. Honestly, at this point, I don't need anything else. Right? I don't need, I don't need any trailers. I don't even need a title. <laughs> just, I'll wait for the movie to come out and I'll watch it. Yes. Right. But if well, we do get a Falcon and Winter Soldier 2, I do hope they call it Captain America and the White Wolf. Yes. yes. I do hope we get that. That would be yes. Right. All right, Maya, what about you? I'm with Jalen. I'm so stoked. I'm very excited now after hearing like some non-spoiler reviews of Shang-Chi. I'm very excited, but Eternals, I've been excited from that win since they announced it, and I feel like Richard Madden will dethrone <laughs> Sebastian Stan <laughs> <and> <laughs> because oh, I'm no. obsessed with that man. Obsessed. So... <laughs> I'm looking for that's the reason why I, keep looking for. I love Salma Hayek. Okay, Same here. I'm obsessed with Salma Hayek. So there's just so many amazing act, actors in that in that project. So I, you know, I love the whole family thing. Even the trailer, I just got so like amped up about it. So I feel like it's like a Guardians 2.0, but probably a little bit more serious and ground, not even grounded, but um, and actors that I actually know of. So. I'm really excited for the Eternals. I know when that the trailer came out, that first trailer, I, I kind of cringed at that last scene where he's like, well, I could lead the Avengers. But <laughs> I, 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 picture, I picture Maya watching that, like looking down at her notes, like, yeah, actually, that adds up. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you please, please lead, lead us. Man, I've been obsessed with Richard Madden for a very long time. So it's, it's nice, to, nice to see him join the MCU. <laughs> Is he got a brother named Steve? He does. Oh. <laughs> hey, we had that. We had to fit in a couple of joke in there. Funny enough, it's Steve for Steve Rogers as well, so that that works out. But uh, okay, well, for all three of you, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me and talk about this. I know uh, we had planned a little sooner and had to push it back and kind of went back and forth on some things. So I'm I'm really happy that we could all talk about this. And again, just super grateful that we're all able to get together and do this. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So for Comics and Cinema, for Kara, Jalen, Maya, and myself, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you at the movies.